when you've got somebody that understands the real estate top to bottom, front to back, and can explain what's going on. And if you're a prepared buyer, Steve and I say it all the time, it's always a good time to buy. There's never the right time to buy because all the time is the right time to buy. You just have to understand and be equipped. What would your life look like if you could replace all of your working income with simple and conservative investments that could do it for you? Over the last 13 years, we've helped thousands of clients transact over half a billion dollars in simple and conservative real estate transactions, allowing them to begin replacing their work income with real estate investment income. Each week, we'll be pulling back the curtain on the ins and outs of real-time retirement-based real estate transactions that will transform your financial future, even if you have no real estate experience. This is Replace Your Income with me, Kevin Clayson. And Steve Earle. All right. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Replace Your Income with Kevin and Steve, who's not in the office right now. How's it going, Kevin? Hey, what's up, man? Steve decided to just hole up in his basement, and uh, he's worried that bombs are falling. He's got a tinfoil hat on. I think he thinks aliens are coming. So he's not in the office. Is that what's going on, Steve? I like your tinfoil hat. By Actually, the way. I heard some news. I don't know if this is true or not. So, you know, I'll give you that caveat, but it's worse than bombs falling. And it's the fact that the government, the federal government, just came out with a proposal to add a 30% tax to every Venmo business transaction. Is that right? Dude. Yes. What? Like tomorrow, it starts oh, tomorrow. Now, I could be wrong. My source of information might not be accurate. But I, that bomb was just dropped on me this morning as I was paying through Venmo, a company that was uh, cleaning the carpets in my house. And he's like, hey, you got this done just in the nick of time because tomorrow there will be a 30% tax would be added to this Venmo transaction. 30%? 30%. Like that's like, that's a Moab, right? The mother of all bombs. What? I don't That doesn't, I don't even, that. Well, that's a whole that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Dude, and then you compound that with the fact that we've got a budget proposal bill that is being discussed in Congress right now that is over 2,000 pages. Well, I mean, this is part of it, right? So they're finding different ways to pay for this. And there's some things, you know, on the real estate side, we won't get into today because it's not our topic, but yeah. there are some like weird, wacky, crazy things that are being discussed and proposed to be able to pay for the amount of money that the government's looking to borrow to do the things that they want to do. And I think there are a number of Moabs falling to the earth as we speak that we will find out about over the next coming months and weeks. Oh, my goodness. I mean, let's just think about this for a second. I think I heard that this bill that they are discussing, that they're passing, that it's like 2,005 pages. And I think that's almost twice, just to give everybody some context. Steve, have you ever read the book Les Miserables? I uh, have, yes. Yes. And was it was it a quick little read, something you do in an afternoon? <laughs> uh, maybe over six months of afternoon. Yeah. It Me, is a anyways, I'm a slow reader. Dense book. I think this bill is twice as long as Victor Hugo's Les Miserables. Just put that into context. <laughs> Just think about that. Isn't yeah. that insane? Oh my goodness. Steve, we live in the craziest world and it's just getting crazier, but that's why we come here on this podcast. So we can try to boil some of it down and make sense of some of it, at least from a real estate perspective, right? Isn't that why we do this? 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I love the title of or the words that you speak so often and so eloquently. Simple and conservative. Simple. simple. And conservative. I really like the word simple. Let's keep life simple. Yeah, you know, I like it too. And I like it mostly because that's about as complicated as I can understand. I, I need yeah. one word responses and explanations. I am not a complicated man. And simple is just better. It's just fun. And today, though, we're going to talk about something that after the podcast, hopefully will be simple to understand. But for somebody kind of jumping into real estate today, like the real estate, and we talk about it, Steve, and truth be told, we are in a kind of a, a new frontier, the, the real estate market, what's happening right now, it's really kind of different than almost anything that, that we've seen. And that's not necessarily a negative. There's a ton of positives, but there's just things that, and this is why we like to do the podcast and keep it pretty current. There's things that you guys need to be aware of that are happening right now in the real estate market, just so you can make sense of your investments, whether you're a done-for-you real estate client or not, just so you can kind of understand there's a lot of people buying and selling properties right now who don't know the conversation we're about to have and have been very confused by a variety of factors. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Today, we're going to talk about the fact that there is a massive difference between property values, purchase prices, and appraised values. See, this sounds a little crazy because generally speaking, it's always kind of been the fact that like, okay, I'm going to buy a home for what the market value is, and then it appraises for that. And so all three of these numbers are supposed to be the same. But what we're seeing today, right now in real time, is that a purchase price is going to be very different than what an actual market value is, which is going to be very different from time to time than an appraisal is going to be, than an appraised value is going to be. And so we thought today, Steve, that we would dive into all of these, talk a little bit about the differences, talk about what's going on, and try to make sense of it for everybody and keep it simple, right? Yeah. So, I mean, Kevin, let me even share an example that uh, we've experienced very recently. And we have a client buying a property and new construction. So you've got a seller who's the builder, right? And they're looking at the market. They're seeing what you know other builders are selling their properties for. And, and they're looking at their costs and what they need to sell that property for in order to earn a reasonable profit and so on. And so there's the list price, right, on that property. And then you've got the contract price, which in this case, the buyer, one of our clients said, yeah, I think that this is a fair price because, you know, we ran the numbers through the pro forma. The numbers were great on the pro forma. Cash flow is good. The combined cash on cash is great. And the annualized return on investment is, is phenomenal. And you know, it looks reasonable looking at other builders' prices and, and other, you know, opportunities out there. This, it looks reasonable, right? So you start the process, you start going through it. And one of the, the items in the process is you got to get an appraisal. Kind of like you mentioned, there's the offer of the list price and at the market price and then appraisal price. And the goal is to get all three of those to line up. In this situation, it was interesting. Um, and these poor appraisers, I think they're being hit from the regulators. They're being hit from, you know, back in the day. You know, all the, the new compliance and rules that they, that were put in place to rein appraisers in and keep, make sure that they're doing a good job and the right job. And things kind of swung one way. And, and here's, here's the thing is the appraiser came in and the appraisal came in $20,000 under list price. Came in 20,000 $20, under list price. That's and $20,000 under offer price. Now we've mm. said many times, Kevin, that how do you really determine, like, what is a home really worth? 
bottom line, it's worth whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. That's right. Now, having said that, you know, lenders, right, they have to get some gauge of from a third party of, you know, what a property is worth so they can kind of protect their asset, make sure they get enough down payment and that kind of a thing. So we we totally justify they're making a risk by extending a loan on an asset. So they want to justify the loan. They have to justify it to shareholders or whatever, or if they're going to package and sell that loan to Fannie and Freddie, it's got to hit all these guidelines. So they go and order a third party appraisal, right? It's mandatory. Yeah, exactly. And it makes sense. It's logical. And so in this case, the appraisal came in, you know, $20,000 low. And so you take a look, you look at the appraisal, you try and figure out like, are they using the right comparables? You know, are they in the right market or do they understand what this property comes with? You know, the granite countertops, the solid surface flooring, the extended deck on the back and patio, all the different factors, right? The, the well, type and, of- and real quick, Steve, pause right there because you said comparables. I don't know. Maybe there's somebody listening who doesn't understand how comparables work as a part of an appraisal. Maybe t- let's just talk about that just briefly and then dive back into kind of how the appraiser, this particular property looked at us. So, so when you say comparables, you know, you're a real estate broker, uh, you run comparables for potential clients that you used to work with that were buying here locally and on an appraisal, there's also comparables that are located. So let's talk about what are comparables. Yeah. So comparables are the goal of an appraiser is to look at other existing homes in the area that are comparable in nature. So if the subject property, the one that, you know, is being appraised is three bedrooms and two baths, you want to find properties that have three bedrooms and two baths and similar, similar square footage, similar square footage, similar everything as much as similar as far possible. away. Yeah, within a certain radius, you know, they, they like to keep things typically within, you know, one mile radius. And so all of those things, right? And if, if one home has four bedrooms instead of three, then they'll adjust the appraisal accordingly. And so that's the idea of appraisals, right? So there's different ways to appraise a home. You can do a cost analysis. You can do a comparison analysis. You can do an income analysis. So for a commercial property, it's more based on income based. Residential, it's more comparable based and sometimes cost based. Like what, what does it cost? What would it cost to build this house? And so what's interesting on this particular appraisal is purchase price was, I believe, like two thirty nine nine. The seller felt that that was a fair price. The buyer agreed that that was a fair price, worked on the performance. They agreed on that. Then the appraisal came in and the appraisal came in about 20, well, it came in $20,000 low. But what's interesting is on this appraisal, the cost replacement value on the appraisal is 240. So in other words, if the house burned to the ground and it needed to be rebuilt, it would cost 240,000 to rebuild the home, right? Is that what you're right. saying? Yeah. But it but he decided to appraise it for what? I guess about 220 because it came in 220 low. And that's based on like appraisals, homes that that this appraiser chose to include in the valuation. Now, you don't have any control over which homes are being chosen and what logic is going into that. But it's a very subjective process. I guess that's the point that I'm trying to make. It's not just scientific. Yeah, it's very non-scientific. I mean, they appraisers tried to be as scientific as possible by using the comparables, by using cost and and so on. At the end of the day, it's really somebody's opinion of what, you know, an educated appraiser trained and so on their opinion of what the property is worth. Nonetheless, it's still subjected to the thought process, the biases, the life experience of that individual person. And so 
part of the problem, and I'm going to cut these appraisers a lot of slack. Like we just are living through a very strange time, right? With COVID, with the economy. With 30% Venmo taxes. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I'll cut them some slack there. It's a very difficult situation for the, the professionals who are trying to provide an exact valuation. But where it gets really difficult is for the buyer, right? For the investor, where he's like, the investor, he or she is, is trying to figure out like, yeah, like the numbers make sense to pay, you know, at this price. And the problem is that if a property doesn't appraise for that, the lender is only willing to loan up to 80% LTV of the appraised value of the property, which means that at the end of the day, if the buyer wants to proceed with the purchase of the property, they have to make up the difference between appraised value and what the lender is actually willing to lend and the 20% that they're putting down to get that loan to value at 80%, they got to come out of pocket with that difference. And and as soon as you do that, when you have greater out of pocket, that drops your return on investment because you got more money into the project, right? And so sometimes, you know, you don't have that extra money to put down. Sometimes you feel like, well, that's going to drop my ROI enough that, you know, I rely on that number to make some of my decision making process. So it makes it difficult to move forward. And so, you know, depending on your circumstances as the investor, you may feel like you, you need to back out of the deal. Sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. And even when you've been prepared as the investor, there's always that moment where it's like, hey, I was planning on maybe a $5,000 difference, maybe maybe on the outset a $10,000 difference. But when you get into numbers like 20000 and here's the thing, Kev, we've never experienced this before as a company, right? Yeah. We've been doing this long enough this year that, you know, we try to prepare clients to know and understand that one, there'll be multiple offers on most properties. Two, there's, there's a chance that it might not appraise, but not for that much of a difference. Like, yeah, not a $20,000 difference. Yeah. That's a pretty startling development in the purchase process. It's a pretty big hurdle to get through. And so in that situation, it may very well make sense to kind of back up. And if the seller is unwilling to come down in price, if they know that they have the ability to sell that property to a cash buyer who's, who's not contingent on an appraisal, then obviously it's in their best interest to back out of the deal or to not, you know, not come down in price because they know they can, they know they can sell it to somebody because somebody values it at that much or, or potentially have even more than that. And so it's subjective and it's something that very difficult to nail down. And it's, and it's part of the, the strange times that we live in. And it's part of what we have to, as investors, kind of reconcile in our own minds. And sometimes, like I mentioned, it might make sense to move forward. It might make sense to pull back and just look for another property. It really is so crazy because you think about this particular property. And thankfully, we have these amazing agents that work with our clients in the field who explain to our awesome client, our awesome agent explaining to our awesome client that the reality right now is property values are rising so quickly that there's a lag on when an appraiser is going and looking at appraising a property, right? Like you mentioned, there's all of these different analysis. There's all this different analysis that they'll do and all of these different ways they can look at the properties and generate some amounts of what a property is worth. One of the main ways is the comparable method where they're going and looking for other comparable, similar properties that aren't too far away, that are similar in square footage and bed and bath and all of that stuff. But because property values are rising so quickly because there are people that are willing to pay above even asking price, right? If somebody's willing to pay above asking price and that's what they buy the home for, that is technically the market value, right? So just think of it. And so let's say this particular property, 
we absolutely have somebody willing to pay $240,000. But let's say there was another cash buyer who came along and said, you know what, I'm gonna buy that property for 250. Well, the seller is going to list it at 240, but there's a buyer who wants to buy it at 250. So the market value when that property got purchased would be 250, but the purchase price or the asking price or the list price is 240. But then the appraised value comes in at 220. But then the insurance cost replacement value is at 240, but the appraisal comes in at 215 or 220 because the comps that the appraiser is using are properties that are that recently sold, but they may be properties that recently sold, but they are not. Those same properties would have sold for more today than they would have a month ago. And so the appraiser is looking at purchases that happened a couple months ago, which aren't even necessarily indicative or really uh, representative of what the price of the property should be today. So to Steve's point, it's complicated and subjective. But what we want you guys to know is this. In this real estate environment, right, we just need to understand the game that we're playing. So if we're going to go and purchase a property, and let's take a different approach. Let's say that we go and find a property that, and the the purchase price is $230,000. And we go, well, that's pretty cool. $230,000 for this property, this is going to be great. And let's say that working with our agents in the field, the agents say, you know what, the purchase price may be two thirty. dollars but we're going to be getting multiple offers on this property. And the numbers on this property, according to the analysis, still work if we go and offer 240. Now, here's, you need to understand, if we offer 240, you're going to have to spend a little bit, or whatever the number is, right? 235, whatever the number is. You're going to have to spend a little bit more than just the standard 20 or 25% down payment, but you're going to win this deal that's going to perform for you for years to come. So you may be looking at a property listed for 230, getting advice from the agent that you want to put in an offer at 235. When you buy that property at 235, assuming that you do, that becomes the market value, but the property may appraise for 228, right? So it's just this incredible environment that it's not that we can control it, right, Steve? It's not that we have much control outside of the research and data that we can find and that we can do. I just think most people don't know that right now, when you are looking at property purchases, there is going to be a difference potentially between what the appraised value is. For many, many years, Steve, most of us have believed that an appraisal is the true representation of what a property is worth, but that's not necessarily the case because what a property is actually worth is what someone's willing to pay for it. So, and this is happening even with sellers. Like, so here's a good example. So the property that my wife and I bought um, that we moved into last year, we put in a full price offer because we knew that the market was heating up and we really wanted this home. And so there was an asking price that was determined by an agent who'd run comps and said, I think that we can sell the property for X. So my wife and I, we said, okay, you know what? We're going to give a full price asking offer because we want them to know we're serious And so we did, we put in a full price because we knew that most people play the game. You know, most people come in and offer less than the purchase price in a normal real estate environment. Don't you think that's accurate, Steve? Most years, if there's a list price, aren't we typically making offers for below the list price? Yeah, that's historically, right? That's historically the the investor MO. And what we learned very quickly is, you know, this concept of a good deal, like years and years ago, that the concept was, oh, you got to buy it. 15% 15% below market value for it to be worth buying. And what we've kind of transitioned to is, hey, 
depending on what the market is, a good deal might be offering below list price, or a good deal might be offering right at market price, or, and in today's market, oftentimes a good deal, a good opportunity or a purchase worthy property is one that you offer several thousand dollars above asking price. Now, of course, the numbers still have to work for that to be, you know, a good deal. But the point is, is there's more to a good deal than just price. You're looking at all the different factors that we, we talk about all the time, all the way from location of the property to the, the purchase price to what rent you can collect to the type of tenant to the type of property management to the cash flow to the appreciation and all those factors. When you take a look at the overall opportunity in front of you offering as much as $10,000 or more over asking price, could be a phenomenal a deal. So let me give you a quick example. So this same property, Kevin, a year ago today is when, obviously I know the builder, I'm over the acquisitions at Nunfee Real Estate, working with this builder. At that point in time, the expectation is that he could build this home, sell it, earn the profit he needed to get on it, and he could offer that home for $180,000. Unbelievable. We're one year later, Kevin, and we're $60,000 higher. And trust me, he's not putting an extra $60,000 in his pocket because over the last year, building materials skyrocketed, labor costs skyrocketed. And in fact, labor and material became very scarce, which is why it skyrocketed. And so the holding costs of having like it taking longer to build the home, which means your cost of capital goes up, all of those factors has forced the builder to raise the price to where it's like, he needs to sell this home for $240,000 now to make it work. And that's in the course of less than 12 months. Now, I'm I'm not going to calculate it here, but a $60,000 increase on what was a $180,000 home in one year. Yeah, that's massive. That's massive. And so, again, these poor appraisers who they are required by their rules and regulations mandated by the state to use comparables that have already happened. They don't get to forecast. They can only base price on what has happened in the past. And therefore appraisals in a scenario like we have today, just it becomes a kind of a very difficult situation for them, for the buyer, for the seller, for the market, generally speaking. It's just weird, right? You look at so the home that Milan and I bought, so we offer at 450 because we that was what it was our primary residence, just full disclosure. So we offered at 450. That was the purchase price. The appraisal came in at 440. And now the sellers had a choice, right? The sellers could either say, Oh, okay, well, guess you guys are gonna have to pay 10 grand extra. But what they did, because they had factors that they were weighing as sellers, which was they were gonna leave the country. They needed to get out of the house. If we'd come in and we'd said, hey, we're going to offer you 430, they probably would have offered, they probably would have entertained a variety of other offers, right? But but because we came in with a full price offer, we could have even gone in and, and offered a little bit more to show them that in good faith, we really wanted to purchase the property, but it appraised at 440. And what they decided to do, because they didn't want us to fall out of contract or they didn't want us to back out and say, okay, we're not going to buy it at 450. They decided to lower their purchase price by $10,000. And so we got a $10,000 bump just right out the gate over what we thought we were going to purchase it for. Now, I share that story with you, not to just give you my personal information, but simply for this reason, that in every one of these transactions, there are multiple parties at work, okay? You have somebody that's listing and selling. You have somebody that's buying. 
You have an appraiser that's appraising. You have other homes in any given neighborhood that were purchased and that are now part of the appraisal on the home that you're looking to purchase at. Then you've got some of these other things that are taking place with labor being more expensive and being a shortage, with the materials having a shortage and being more expensive. And then you've got this influx of people wanting to move to areas and suburban areas because they're still getting out of these major metropolitan areas with ridiculous rules and tax laws. And so you look at all of this stuff and it's simply this. Real estate is a living, breathing thing. It is dynamic and it moves and it changes. And here's the point. It should never be scary. (laughs) When I listen to us talk about this stuff, Steve, I'm going, oh man, if I was not already in real estate or if I did not already know something about real estate and I'm hearing that all this crazy stuff is going on, I might be like, woo, nope, uh -uh, uh-uh, I'm gonna wait till this dust settles. But the reality is when you've got somebody that understands the real estate top to bottom, front to back, and can explain what's going on, and if you're a prepared buyer, Steve and I say it all the time, it's always a good time to buy. There's never the right time to buy because all the time is the right time to buy. You just have to understand and be equipped. So in today's market, if you're looking to buy an investment property, you should be equipped with the idea that the purchase price may be different than what you end up offering to buy the property for because maybe you're offering a little bit more than list or asking price. And that may be a little bit different than what it appraises for. If you understand that fact that there's these factors that are taking place and that maybe it makes sense, maybe it doesn't make sense, but if you walk into it eyes wide open, understanding that this is the environment that we're in, then you're prepared, right? I'm excited that you said that any time is a good time to buy if, if you're prepared and if you understand you know, the market, you can, you can move into it at any time without fear. I'm making an offer on two properties today in our Oklahoma market. And I know that you're getting ready to do uh, something very similar as well. Yes. Um, I got to, you know, myself earlier in the year as a company, we also are continually are buying, but I'm super excited to jump in again for the second time this year and buy, you know, add two more properties to my portfolio. And I I now have properties in all of our markets. Well, except for Oklahoma City. And that's one of the reasons why I really want to go there is it's a brand new market. And I just think it's important for, you know, for us individually to constantly be doing what we're preaching as well. So anyways, yeah. today's kind of an exciting day for me. I'm going to be talking That's to awesome. your agent out there going through the exact same process. We literally, right, Kim, we go through, we pay the exact same fees that our clients pay. Yeah, we, we do. do the exact same thing. We work with the same account executives, the same agents, the same lending, all of it. We just plug ourselves right into the system. And that's the confidence that we have that it works. Yeah, you know, it's what Steve and I were talking about this the other day because I was telling him that we are getting ready to offer on a property in Oklahoma as well. And I said, and I love paying our fees. And the reason for that is because what we do is valuable. You know, (laughs) I'm not a real estate expert. You know that, Steve. In fact, I'll say it and I'll say it again. I'm not even a real estate investor. I'm somebody that loves what real estate can do. I love that real estate in principle and philosophically can help to replace one's income bit by bit over time, whether it's all of the income or just a little bit. I love that real estate generates income and works for me 24 hours a day, seven days a week when I don't even have to think about it. But I'm not somebody who gets up and eats, sleeps, breathes, drinks real estate. I think you're more on that side of the coin, Steve, than I am. And one of our account executives, Adam, he's like 
all about real estate, right? Like you read real estate articles. I read, you know, sports and political articles. But I, so with that though, I say that because I love what real estate does. And I love knowing about real estate because I can then navigate the game. Look, you cannot play the game if you don't know the rules. If you don't know why a chessboard is set up the way that it is and how certain players can move and what spaces they can take and how far they can go, then there's never any way for you to win the game. You've got to understand the framework, understand the strategy, understand that the board is set, and then understand what approach you need to take at any given moment, given how the game is unfolding. To me, that is an analogy for what we do with real estate. If we know that the board is set, if we know that the game is dynamic and it's going to change with every single move, but if we can prepare ourselves and understand how to work within that framework, within that strategy, within any given moment, then whether we are real estate experts or not, whether we are in love with real estate or not, we can be in love with what the real estate can produce. We can be in love with the income it can generate. We can be in love with the appreciation that it creates. We can be in love with even paying above asking price, even if it appraises for a little bit less than that, because if we understand the game and the rules and we understand that the board is set and we understand how we can take advantage of it, we can win the game in the long run. And that's really the key. And that's why we wanted to jump on today and say, look, let us help you understand how the board is set. Let us help you understand that in this game, the one we're playing today, asking price may be different than market value, may be different than appraised value, but it doesn't have to be scary. In fact, it should be exciting that the market is moving and changing and we have the ability to help you navigate it so that you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity because it's never a bad time to buy. Sometimes it's a bad time to sell, but it's never a bad time to buy and we can assist you in whatever way is right for you, whether you're a client or whether you're somebody listening to this podcast or consuming our content so that you can be a more successful investor in your own right. We want you to understand the game and understand the rules so you can take advantage of it and you can go and win the game, whether that's all together or just little tiny wins bit by bit so that real estate can truly be a piece of the life that you want to lead. And that's really why we, I think that's why we do this, right, Steve? Yeah. Well, Kim, I would just say this. If you're not a real estate expert, I don't know who is. So, uh, you know, I, I, I totally get your uh, self-deprecating humor that you're, you're so good at. But uh, you are amazing and awesome and an expert and an investor. And uh, it's awesome to be able to have these conversations and discussions with you. And maybe I'm a little bit more passionate on the actual real estate side of it than you. But as far as like knowledge, ability, that kind of a thing, I mean, you, I, I think you're at the definitely at the top of the echelon. Well, you're kind. Thanks for uh, the great discussion. Yeah, no, it was good. I think we thought everybody needed to hear this. And so thank you, everybody, for tuning in. As always, we appreciate you. Hey, make sure you go and follow the podcast. And, uh, you know, now it's different. Apple's changed it. You don't really subscribe. You follow the podcast. But go follow it. Go give it a five-star review. And more important than, than even that, share it with a friend. You know, we really try to bring content that's fresh and that's exciting. You guys probably know we don't record these, you know, months and months in advance so that we can talk about what's really happening right now. And we hope you appreciate that. We hope you enjoy that. And we thank you for tuning in. So for now, we'll sign off and we'll talk to you real soon. Have a good one. Thanks so much for listening to Replace Your Income with Kevin and Steve. Do you want to connect with us and other income replacement rangers out to obliterate the status quo and experience real retirement with income replacement through real estate? 
Type Done For You Real Estate USA in your Facebook search bar and make sure to like our company's page. Send us a message while you're there and I'll send you a personal hello and make sure you're on our weekly property scouting emails where you can view weekly deals right in your inbox. Until then, thanks so much for joining us on Replace Your Income and just remember, income replacement for you and your family may only be one property away. See you next week.